Before history is written, it's played. Before it's frozen in time, it's fought one shift at a time. Before it's etched in silver, it's carved in ice. What happens next will last forever. The Stanley Cup Final on ABC and ESPN Plus begins Saturday. It's Light the Tower, your daily look around the world of sports. With Hall of Fame broadcaster and voice of the Texas Longhorns, Craig Way. Say goodnight to this one. And Horns 24-7 insider, Jeff Howe. On your live, local, and independent home for sports talk in Austin, the Horn. Light it up on a Wednesday, Wednesday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn. Wherever you're listening, however you're listening, we just thank you so, so much for being a part of today's presentation. I am Jeff Howe, Craig Way out, still vacationing. Craig will be back one week from today when we're at AT&T Stadium for Big 12 Media Days. But until then, we're going to try not to run this vehicle into the median. Just 2 and 10, steady as she goes. And when I say we... The MVP of Light the Tower, the play-by-play prodigy behind the glass, Cameron Parker. Cameron, how was your Fourth of July? Jeff, it's been a been a good weekend. Uh, it's like it's been like a year pretty since much. I last uh, last saw you. Like radio days or dog years. Yeah, pretty much. literally. I feel like Saturday Texas had three commitments. That feels like 2022. <laughs> did you uh, did you get you some liquid IV this morning? Uh, a little Gatorade this morning on the Gatorade. drive-in. A little Gatorade, a little, yeah. little Gatorade, a little Advil. Yeah, just the, Gatorade. The, the usual yeah. stuff. Uh, hopefully, however you celebrated Fourth of July, hopefully you did it responsibly, safely, and uh, everything is all good at your abode, wherever that might be. Specs text line is open three three seven three seven seven six. Before we get into the pleasantries, we'll go ahead and just reiterate something that I mentioned when I was on with Bucky and Aaron at the tail end of the morning show. Uh, Texas basketball official visitor on campus. Campus. It's Ethel Horton, grad transfer from UCF, six five guard prolific shooter from the outside. This guy can score off the bounce. When you look at the way the roster's constructed, fits perfectly, perfectly with what the Longhorns have already. He would really be the missing piece for them. I think puts them right on track to be where they were last year, a second weekend type team, a, a final four caliber team. When you look at how all the pieces was would fit, this kid is the piece Texas. I think I think this is the piece they've been waiting on. You know, when you look at what they need, a guard with length, somebody who can shoot. I think Ethel Horton is the piece they've been missing. So, Cameron, any thoughts on Ethel Horton before we move on? Just this new way of recruiting, Jeff. You know, RT is like I want to get a little bit more shooting in the perimeter. Instead of going to uh, the high school ranks, you can just go straight to the transfer portal. What a class for Rodney Terry. I think back to right after, literally right after the season ended, we had people texting in, Jeff, Craig, how come RT isn't <laughs> doing anything? What's going on? I mean, every we're letting all July, these good people in the portal pass us by. July 5th in RT is still doing work after he signed Chris Johnson away from Kansas. Now picks up Ethel Horton. It's going to be a, a really interesting backcourt for Texas, but possibly even a little bit more talented than last year's backcourt, Jeff. That, you know, 
Oh man, at least more more depth, right? More guys you can depth, go to. Out yeah, the well. I, I still think it would revolve around the three guards. I think it would revolve around revolve around the three. If you get Ethel Horton, it would be Hunter, Acemus, and Horton. And kind of looking at those roles, I mean, Hunter would you figure Tyrese Hunter's a year better, you know, a year into the system and not having to deal with just the the insanity that went on last December and into January, but also just him being healthy, uh, you know understanding his uh, he's stepping into a leadership role so uh i think tyrese hunter's been preparing for this to be the bona fide guy the bona fide leader on a final four type team uh max ace was coming in taking over that marcus Carr role where he can play on the ball play off the ball but he's your he's your bucket getter he's your guy in, in crunch time that you want him to have the ball and then yeah ethio horton could fill the jabari rice role just from the standpoint that a guy with length uh a guy that has the ability to defend but also a guy again that is a well-rounded offensive player. He can get you a bucket off the bounce, uh, catch-and-shoot type guy, uh, no, understands how to get his own shot. I, I, I like what he did. You look at the numbers at UCF, you watch the tape, love what he brought to the table. Yeah, if, he, if you get Ethel Horton, it, it's a conversation to be had, Cam. It's a discussion to be had. What backcourt would you rather take? Uh, but this one is this backcourt would definitely have the makings of one that can help you win the Big 12. I think he's listed at 6'5 mm-hmm. when he was at Pittsburgh. Started off at Delaware, transferred to Pitt, sat out a year, was there for two years, and went to UCF last year. That's a weird roster last year, Jeff, because the Golden Knights, they had Taylor Hendricks, a lottery pick, mm. uh, C.J. Kelly still on that team. So his numbers were down. He, his numbers in Pittsburgh were, were top-notch. He had, a, yeah. he had a great two years. Um, last year, his field goal percentage went down a little bit from beyond the arc. He still shot 41% from the floor, which is pretty good. And overall, he's been a great three-throw shooter his entire career. 83% last year, 87 in 2021-2022, which is insane for a college basketball player. 12.3 points per game last season, and, and as you mentioned, Jeff, I mean, that's six foot five frame, 200 pounds. That's great for defense because I don't think RT recruited Max Acemas for his defense, right? He recruited him right. because of what he can do with the ball in his hands. Now, Thor- Horton, almost said Thornton, Horton is that guy who he can play defense like Jabari Rice did, so... It's setting up for um, a really fun year for Texas baseball ba- basketball. I'm curious to see what this team looks like on the court. Yeah, the one thing about Horton, uh, the free throw percentages are really good. Uh, you know, just maybe, and, and maybe this is the type of team where he could do it. Maybe attack a little bit more, just get to the line more. Uh, you look last year at UCF, you know, he only averaged about one and a half free throw attempts yeah. per game. Uh, whereas, you know, you look at other guys on the roster like Marcus Carr last year. Was at you know three point six, basically four. I mean, Marcus Carr, his all Big Ten season in Minnesota, and again he he handled the ball a lot more there. Was basically their guy. Whereas at Texas, he had to spread the wealth a little bit. That was Marcus Carr's last year at Minnesota. Was at six point seven free throw attempts a game. Like, that's just that's uh, better than that's better than James Harden <laughs> last year in Philadelphia. Right. Uh, so free free throw, but again, I, I think he's got the tools to be a really really good offensive player. Uh, you know, Tyrese Hunter last year was at two point four free throw attempts per game, and Tyrese later in the year, once he got healthy, we saw him attacking off the bounce more, being a little more aggressive, getting to the foul line. So uh, again, I can't say enough about the fit, Cam. I think that's the key. The fit yeah. they didn't take they they could have taken guys and they brought guys in for visits and they kicked the tires on guys trying to find that guy who would be the perfect veteran fit, but they waited, they waited, they waited, they wanted the ideal fit. It's kind of like, hey, take the ideal fit or don't take anybody at all. And 
Ethel Horton pops up in the portal and it's like portal and it's like, okay, yeah, this is the guy. This is the fit and see if you can go get him. Uh, he's expected to visit Kansas after mm-hmm. this visit. So hopefully uh, if you're Texas, you give him ideally you'd like to give him enough to think about where he doesn't take the Kansas visit, but at least put yourself in a position where he's thinking about you the entire time he's in Lawrence, Kansas. So if, we'll, if he comes close to shooting 40% from the three point land, like he did his his freshman year, and then even thir- even thirty eight percent what he did two years ago at Pitt, that would be huge mm-hmm. for Texas offense. You mentioned Jabari Rice, Jeff. If Horton does end up at Texas this year, would he be the glue guy you think for this uh, this lineup? I think that remains to be seen because I don't I don't think we knew. Well, last summer you kind of heard rumblings that Jabari was maybe better than I think everybody anticipated he would be, mm-hmm. but I don't think he was. The, you would consider him the glue guy until you really got into the thick of the fight in Big 12 yeah, play. Yeah, that's true. And once you got into Big 12 play, the thing that you liked about him was the high-level experience that he had. I mean, yeah. the New Mexico State program with Chris Jans as the head coach, it was a really good program. And they, they went to the NCAA tournament, uh, Rice's last year there. They beat UConn, upset UConn. Uh, actually, the most recent NCAA tournament loss UConn has was to that team with Teddy Allen and Jabari Rice. And and I think there was a fit too, just between Teddy and Timmy, and Teddy playing with Jabari, and and Timmy knowing Jabari a little bit. So I think there was maybe a little uh, kind of a natural fit there. So it's tough to say he'd be the glue guy, but I I like the leadership role that that Tyrese Hunter can provide. Uh, I even think Dylan Mitchell, in terms of being a guy that I think is just a good teammate to have around, I think can be kind of one of those glue guys. And you've got you know the ultimate glue guy. Throw in your they're on your lunch pail comments or whatever. You, for you, people forget you still got Brock Cunningham on this roster. Brock Cunningham still a member of this basketball team. You're number ten, right? Yeah, you know, he came in the signing class with Luke Axtell and Chris Mim, and uh, has been a very, very strong contributor. Helped TJ Ford get to a final four. Yeah. So yeah. Tom Penders spoke so highly <laughs> of him when he was there this time. Uh, only concern. Eddie, Jeff- or- Eddie Orn coached Brock Cunningham. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Only concern. Would you be worried, Jeff? He has not played in a single NCAA tournament game. Because uh, you mentioned Jabari Rice, and Rice had that experience in the yeah, postseason. I, I would be if Aismas and Hunter didn't have the NCAA tournament experience that they yeah. have. Max Aismas has been on a team that's gotten to the Sweet 16. He's done well in the NCAA tournament. Tyrese Hunter yeah. has. He, Tyrese Hunter in two NCAA tournaments been to the second weekend both times. Once with Iowa State, once with Texas. Uh, DeSue, Caden Shedrick's played in a lot of really big games in the ACC with Virginia. So I, I don't worry. I don't worry about that lack of experience because you've got enough around you. Even, you know, I mean, Brock Cunningham, we joke about it, but Brock's won a couple of Big 12 tournaments, was on the team last year. Dylan Mitchell got his feet wet last year. So I think you've got enough guys on this roster that understand high level basketball that have done it that I, I don't really, it's not a deal breaker. You know what I'm saying? It's not like, well, I don't, I don't no, no, you wouldn't take him because of lack of experience. It's, I think it's fine. I think it's a wash. So, um, at any rate, uh, we'll take your feedback on the Specs text line, 337-3776. Cam, let's get to your 4th of July. I know we joked about it a little bit, but what, what did you do over the over the weekend? Did you just take, get some well, – actually, where were you on Friday again? I forgot where you were on Friday. I don't know if you want to share that or not. But Yeah, no, it was this past week, and I was at a Bible-based convention up in Cedar Park, so – Feeling pretty good, and then last two days, Monday, Tuesday, kept it chill. Uh, Barton Springs Monday, there you uh, go. just hung out with some friends in town, and then Tuesday wakeboarding in Lake Georgetown. We didn't want to get on Lake Austin. Oh, you went to Lake crazy. Georgetown? Small stomping yeah. grounds, man. What what part did you go to? 
Well, we originally we pulled into I think Cedar Breaks, but yeah, they weren't letting any more people in. So we're mm. like, well, this stinks. We're gonna reevaluate in forty minutes. We went to the Jim Hawk side, let yeah. us in, um, just two boats, and we just hung out. There was no one out there, so it was perfect. It, it was a the sun kind of came up the very end, but overall, you know, relaxing, nothing crazy. Jim but. Hawk Park, good spot. Yeah, I haven't been there in about twenty years, yeah. but I remember it as a as a very cool spot. You used to swim at uh, Russell Park. Yeah, is that so? Is that where you went in your high school days when? You're up to your tomfoolery. A little, little bit, of, yeah, okay. yeah, a little bit, a little bit of Jim Hogg Park. When I was a kid, it was more Russell Park. It's kind of okay. more the family stuff. Goes used to, used to swim. Because you have that beach area. That that place that was packed yesterday. I would imagine so. Yeah, used to swim at Russell Park. But yeah, the the tomfoolery in my life did my fair share of that at Jim Hogg Park. Any any tomfoolery this past weekend? No, I figure you know once you once you close in on forty, can the tomfoolery ceases to exist in a lot of ways? Unless you're Joey uh, Chestnut. You know, I'll be honest with you, man. My <laughs> my mom was asking me because uh, I think that you know my brother has a pool at his place. We were at his place yesterday, and my mom was like, "Why didn't you guys come over on Saturday?" Uh, you know, Tamara said you were busy, and I still cannot, for the life of me, remember what I did Saturday. <laughs> I know, I know it's, I know it for a portion. I was at home working because probably Texas, the whole day right because texas well everything was wrapped up by one o'clock okay. that was a good thing about that so J- texas started july 1st off with the bank sarkin company did getting three verbal commitments before getting jordan washington yesterday it's all worked and then i'm like what well, i i still don't like like did i hit my head and black out and just wake up sunday i don't know i told i do not remember what i did on saturday uh you know, sunday, that sounds like a great saturday actually <laughs> uh you know and i the heck, I don't even remember Sunday or Monday, but I know yesterday I was at my. We went to the uh, really, honestly, really good. If you've got kids, really good Fourth of July parade. Wimberley does so we, you know, because we're fifteen minutes from Wimberley. So we just drove out to Wimberley real quick, and then went to my brother's house you know, where we can do to do fireworks and the whole deal. And where my brother lives at night, you can see like San Marcos or Buda. Like there's a bunch of different mm-hmm. fireworks displays you can see from his place. So it was good. It was Are you big into watching fireworks or setting off fireworks or? Um. Yeah, but it's not like a, it's not a deal breaker if I don't like the Fourth of July is special for me because that was my dad's favorite holiday, mm-hmm. um, and my dad ran the fireworks display at Andice for years and years and years. So it's kind of like if you're around, I don't want to say you become desensitized to it, but it almost just feels like it just feels like okay, it's not that big a deal. Yeah, you know, it's 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 fun. Don't get me wrong, but it's just. You know, you do you're around it for that long. It's like, cool, that's cool, and then you go on to something. Else. If you if you miss it, it's not a deal breaker for you. No, everybody was interested in watching fireworks. I was more interested in, hey, is there any more key lime pie left in the Ooh. fridge? Because if there is, I'm gonna go get Ooh. on that. So it's kind of more of what I was thinking about. Was it key time. lime pie from uh, the Hay City store? <sighs> Dude, I, if it was key lime pie from Hay City store, nobody would have gotten any because I would have hogged the whole thing for myself. I don't know if you were producing for us yet, but there was one day Travis came by and dropped off a key lime pie. Yes. I, I wasn't on this show, but I remember those pies. <laughs> and He brought a couple. I was like, you know, because Travis, I was actually coming back from the bathroom. It was either coming back from the bathroom or I had gone outside to get some water. I was coming back from the vending machine, and Travis met me in the hallway, and he's like, hey, I, was, I, I forgot who he told me. I'm dropping off this pie. Here you guys go. I was like, is it just for the station? He's like, yeah, you guys enjoy it. And I'm like, what's to stop me from just <laughs> taking this whole thing from myself and just not telling him? Nobody, everybody no in this building, known, they'd right? be none the, y'all would be none the wiser. But no, I just took I took a slice and put the rest in the fridge. 
I will admit though, somebody left it in there, and I, I did take there once it got down to like a quarter of it. Yeah, left. I just took it home. Yeah, because yeah, I was like, I'm not gonna let this go bad. I think Zay took home like an entire pie, because <laughs> there was a lot in there, and I, I remember like me and Chad got a piece each, and I was like, I, I this is so good, but I I can't eat any more of it. <laughs> Hopefully, because next week we'll be up in Arlington for the Big 12 Media Days, and I think Travis will be coming up. Maybe, you know, maybe he'll bring a couple pies, you know, with him for the road, right? We, we, need, we, need, some, we need some snacks to get us through Big 12 Media Days. I'm telling you, Travis is established. Hayes City Store is a fine establishment, but I'm telling you, if you get a chance to, like, do a, a brunch or something or dinner, taste on Main in Buda. Yeah. It's right there on Main Street. That's their new joint. Top-notch stuff, man. That's where I had that stuffed French toast yeah. with the strawberry cream cheese. Yeah. So I had to get out there. Yeah. You, you that look in your eyes dead serious. Yeah. Well, everybody's getting back uh getting back at it here at the Horn. You know how I know Except Bucky for Craig. Craig's on day 35 of his vacation. Speaking of which, we're going to mention Craig in Inconceivable today because you know I know the impending robot war. That's my big fear mm-hmm. in life. Mm-hmm. It's, not, it's not actually a fear. I, I've i got my head wrapped around it, unlike some of you out there who refuse to accept that the robot it, yeah. war is coming. Yeah, I'm just, I'm doing what I can to ensure that I'm on the right side of history when the robot war pops off. Craig is worried about primates taking over. I get, again. As we heard from him yesterday. I tell Craig, I say, you know, I, I think I just saw Terminator 2 one too many times as a kid. Uh, I tell him, I'm like, I think I just think you saw Planet of the Apes one too many times in your younger days. That said, Cameron, not so much the state you used to call home, but partly there, but partly the other Carolina. There's another species of animal that apparently is taking over. Uh-oh, in South Carolina? And North Carolina. We'll get into that in Inconceivable. inconceivable. Okay. Yeah. And, and by the way. Not going to say what it is, but Craig texted us a photo. This species decided to accompany him on the golf course while he was playing a few rounds. On the 14th hole. Yes. So we'll get to that in Inconceivable. A couple Longhorn notebooks throughout the show. Flex update. And, oh, actually, we've got the special flex update. I've been trying to do this. I was going to try to put together, like, my favorite Central Texas high school football players. Try to do a list. And I'm like, you know, I've got to pare this thing down. I'm like, do I do 10? So since our flex segment isn't that long, I'm going to do five. Okay. It was really hard. Just all, just your favorite central Texas? Or? Since, okay. since I've been doing this in the flex, the flex area, the flex coverage area, since I've been doing this starting in 2002, that fall was when I started going to high school games in the area. Since then, my five favorite players. And the hard part is I left it to one per school. So I can't fight my five favorite players, one per school. And I've got my list. I've got it on my phone. So we'll get to that coming up in hour number two. We'll also give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Ooh. And I'll go ahead and give you the teaser. We'll do that after the Longhorn Notebook. Before Inconceivable, when we take the break after next segment, that's when we'll give away a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football. So make sure you're listening through the Longhorn Notebook. As Cameron mentioned, Texas got three verbal commitments on Saturday, one yesterday. We'll take a look at where Sark and company are at on the recruiting trail. We'll do that when we come back on Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Hey, oh, this is the way we Craig Webb and Jeff Howe, Light the Tower. Houston, Texas, this is the way we bow. This is the way we bow. 
Cam, you going to that uh, Low Flip, Low Kiki show at Antone's? Was that Saturday? Hmm. I was not playing on it, but did not know they were coming. Are you going? Uh, no, I just you heard. You and Rod Babers might be VIP for I that. just heard about it this morning when uh, Nick Shuley was giving us our live music update on B&E on the drive-in. Yeah, He's got to hook you and Rod up with some I think tickets. that's Saturday. Lil' Flip and Lil' Kiki and Antones. Rod, Rod Babers is all over that. If Rod doesn't have VIP already, somebody screwed up. We did a, a Houston-themed show last week with Chad. Had to put Lil' Flip in. Rod sees me. He's like, hey, thank you for playing Little Flip. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think anyone's thanked me for playing a, a song on the radio before. Little Flip, Little Kiki. Get, you know, DJ Screw. Just get all kinds of ways you can go when you talk about Houston, the Houston music scene. Yeah, and June 27th was, was last week. RIP Screw. Indeed. Uh, this is Light the Tower. This is The Horn. It's Jeff Howe, Cameron Parker. The vacationing Craig Way still out. We'll talk about the uh, the impending robot war and Craig's uh, battle with the primates. This texture says World War Three will be us and the other apes versus the robots. So Jeff and Craig are both right. Well, hell, that's uh, that's not a bad you know. It's, and I've always said like when the apocalypse comes, you hear the promo running on the station. When the apocalypse comes, I think Craig should you know because basically the apocalypse is going to pop off in different parts of the world and different parts of the country. I think in this part of the world, it should be Craig doing the play by play of the apocalypse. Hey, and radio can survive. Yeah. Can survive uh, the apocalypse, probably. So who knows? Shortwave radio and whatnot. Is, and the studio here is not a bad place to be bunkered up. No, because we're on the fourth floor yeah. of this building. I so, we, you know, we whether it's zombies or whatever, you know, we can crash the elevators and guards. Can zombies climb stairs? Yeah, I don't know. Depends on what zombies you're talking about. Okay. Well, if we're talking about, like, robots. Like, like Walking and... Dead zombies or, like, uh, World War Z zombies? Uh... That's a good guy. I haven't thought of, I haven't thought that far ahead. That's yeah, good. I'll, pon- I'll ponder that. that, Jeff. I'll ponder that while we uh, get to Are this. they dumb zombies or are they intellectually smart zombies? You know, it just depends on what type of zombie thing's going to pop off. Well, the latter, the latter makes me shudder with fear. And by the way, I mentioned that we're all back. You know, Bucky Godbold is back when I've got one TV on Hallmark Home Shopping Channel? Network. No, the other one, uh, it's on The View. I just haven't, oh, I just haven't grabbed the remote. The View, Bucky. What would you rather watch, Ken? Would you rather watch The View or Scream at People shows on ESPN? Mm, I'd rather just gouge my eyes out, I think. Hey, by right? the way, what did you think of the uh, the bloodbath at ESPN yeah. last week, by the way? Good Lord. I mean, how many people were laid off? Not just on-screen on, on guys, but a lot of a lot of behind-the-scenes. The behind-the-scenes behind layoffs people. happened uh, a while back, but, yeah, this was more. They, they're, they're still eh, kind of uh, pushing people out. It's all Gene Wojciechowski's done yeah. at ESPN. Gene's gone. The, the big names, Max Kellerman's gone. Steve Young's gone. Uh, Susie Colbert's gone. David Pollock was the big one that I saw. I thought David Pollock did a good job on College game, game day. day. Yeah. Well, I, I mean, people have asked me about that, and I think it's because they're paying all this money now for Pat McAfee, Joe Buck, Troy Aikman, Stephen A. It, it looks like. ESPN, I don't know if it's ESPN or if it's it's uh, Walt Disney, but they're going to get to pay these big-name guys and hope that they're going to carry the weight. It's a, Stan it's Everett a Disney, also, yeah. or Neil Everett, Neil he's gone, yeah. which is sad. I mean, he had about 29 years, him and Stan at SportsCenter. I saw Ashley Brewer's out, too. Yeah. Sister of uh, former Texas quarterback Connor Brewer, yeah. by the way. Uh, and also, ESPN's got to pay for you know the the spiking TV rights deals for the dude, NBA. That's, that's the SEC. one. That's the one that like I know everybody's got their opinion on Disney and ESPN, and I'm not going to turn this into a political discussion. But 
you know, as you hear these rights fees going out to conferences and what they pay for the NFL, they've still got Major League Baseball rights. I know the NBA rights are up for negotiation right now. Yeah. It's like, dude, at some point, like, I don't know if the bubble's going to pop, but something's got to give at some point because you can't just keep shelling out, you know, money like you're printing it to all these different conferences or leagues or whatever for, for rights fees. At some point, something, something's got to give. Well, we're seeing with the Diamond Sports Group. In the regional sports networks where they paid all this money for the, the rights fees to MLB teams, and then they can't afford to broadcast the games. That sounds like an abject disaster right now. Too. I mean, there's a couple, there's a handful of, you know, MLB teams that, you know, they have no idea if they're going to be broadcasting after this season. The MLB's come over and taken over for, I believe, the San Diego Padres uh, for a part of this season. I don't know if it's, they still took over for the Diamond Sports Group, but the MLB had to broadcast these games. So mm-hmm. to your point, I mean, you pay all these money, Valley Sports paid a lot of money for the rights to have broadcast to a lot of these, you know, regional sports networks, professional teams, and they can't afford to do it. So the, the, the should have been the red flag should have been, you know, Disney and ESPN who will they'll buy rights fees for damn near anything. It yeah, seems like. that's how you guarantee you're going to have people watch your yeah. network, right? When when they spun off the regional networks in their purchase of 20th Century Fox, that should have been a big red flag. Like, dude, yeah. like if his, if ESPN don't want this, like, you know, it's probably that it's bag of stuff you're going to leave on the side of the road. Like, man, I, I hope somebody takes this because there's a bunch of stuff in here I don't want. Mm-hmm. Well, it's, it's 2023. You should be able to watch your favorite team no matter where you live. And the blackouts that, you know, re- prevent us from watching – the Texas Rangers or the Houston, Houston Astros, Astros or the Spurs or Mavericks if we purchase, you know, MLB at bat or NBA League Pass. That that needs to be done away with. I can't even, watch. even in Denver. I mean, how many fans in Denver could not watch their own team play in the regular season because of the network it was on? <laughs> I can't watch either of my favorite teams. I can't watch yeah. the Mavericks. I mean, I watch the Cowboys because the Cowboys yeah, are well, on the time. They're matter. literally on everywhere. Yeah. Uh, and the NFL has done it has done it the right way. That's why they're always yeah. going to have money. I don't get to watch the Mavs. Don't get to yep. watch the Astros. Yep. Unless it's a national game. I've I've listened to more Rangers games on the radio than I watched because I I can listen to them through at bat, but I can't watch them on TV unless it's on ESPN. So it's bad. It's bad business. I'm not. Man. I'm not. And you even if you pay for Bally Sports the 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 streaming app, right? You yeah. still can't watch the Rangers play. There was a lot of Mavs fans that were perturbed about that. That is like, so oh, stupid. I'll just get the app, and you still can't watch it. Hey, by the way, this person says. Uh, Neil and Neil, uh, Stan Verrett and Neil Everett, my favorite sports center. I think that's a generational thing because I know, like, probably the, the era before me, this is when I was a kid, Keith Olbermann and Dan Patrick, yeah. that was the big show on Sports Center. I'm more of a uh, Stuart Scott, Scott Van Pelt, yeah. or Stuart Scott, Rich Eisen. That's kind of my wheelhouse right there. SVP is still center. my favorite. I'll still watch SFB, SFB at night. Him and. Uh, I really do. Sanford Steve couldn't remember. I his name. really do miss SVP and Ryan Rosillo, though. Yeah. Ryan Rosillo is one of those guys that I think gets a bad rap that I, I actually like. I like that he's doing stuff with the Ringer and, and Bill Simmons. I feel like he's more appreciated now. I feel like he was kind of underrated because ESPN, his story was interesting because they never saw him really as a radio host. They just saw him as a number two, the Scott Van Pelt. But Scott was like, no, Ryan is just as good as me. And eventually, you know, Ryan got paid and he has one of the most popular podcasts mm-hmm. out there. But yeah, Scott Van Pelt, the way. The way he does it, because I think now the art of anchoring is kind of going away because not many people will watch SportsCenter. Not many people will watch your standard local TV news where exactly where it all is anchors. But, yeah, I mean, you grew up with a, you grew up during the, the prime of it, right? Yeah. I, I, when 
when you wo- if you woke up on a you know and and I experienced this you know being homesick from school if you wake up at seven o'clock on a Wednesday morning mm-hmm. Sports Center is going to be on and that same broadcast of Sports Center will be on all morning yeah. so you're not going to miss anything yeah uh, and it wasn't you didn't have to scream at people shows and all that stuff so I don't know we'll we'll see what happens Niner Miner says ESPN Plus is a joke you have to have because you have to have a cable provider. To even use it, that's if you're going to stream. You yeah. can buy Plus, but to stream ESPN proper, yeah, you do have to have a cable provider log in. Uh, Cooter, what sucks is that we are in Austin, not not even a part of Houston or Dallas, and we get blacked out by both mm-hmm. cities. Exactly. This texture says, "Get Fubo." I have a lot of people telling me about Fubo, Fubo TV yeah. Cam. Uh, and Stoner says, "Am I to understand Sports <laughs> Sports Center is still on television?" Yes, Stoner. Believe it or not, it actually. In between the screaming people shows and whatever else happens on the four letter network on the mothership, the uh, sports center still does occur. All right, let's go ahead and get to this hour's additional Longhorn Notebook. Jeff Howe's Longhorn Notebook. Three verbal commitments on Saturday, Cam, for Steve Sarkeesian and company. They had one yesterday, so Texas up to 12 verbals in the class of 2024. Uh, which one of these four jumps out to you, though? By the way, in the 24 7 sports team recruiting rankings, Texas up to 28 now overall, and that's with 12 verbal Climbing. commitments. Uh, which one of these four jumps out to you the most, Cam? Which one? It's either you know Jordan Johnson, Rebel, the uh, safety. He's out of IMG Academy, but he's from Fort Worth, so he's a he's a Texas kid. Uh, and then you've got Parker Livingstone, the wide receiver from Lovejoy. Alex January, the Texas legacy defensive lineman, big, three hundred twenty five pound defensive lineman out of Duncanville. And then Jordan Washington, the tight end from Langham Creek, who committed last night. Which of these four really jump out to you, Cam? Is a good take for the Longhorns, one that gets you excited? I mean, honestly, I think all are good takes. I saw Alex January play a lot this postseason for Duncanville mm-hmm. alongside Colin Simmons. Yeah. Um, he's a big guy. He mm-hmm. is a space eater. And, I, th- I mean, I think a lot of these guys, Jeff, three stars, four stars, you know, I think they're going to be promoted. If that's the right word. They're gonna they're gonna move up. Yeah, Alex kind of, January is one of the guys. You know, Hudson Standish, uh, who works for us at Horns twenty four seven. Hudson's doing a little more on the evaluation side, network wide now. And Hudson said, you know, Alex January's a guy that could definitely be in line for a bump. Yeah, and I think he will. Six foot four, three twenty five. Yes, please. Uh, Jordan Washington. We talked about on the show a lot about the tight end position, how important it is to Sark's offense, right? Mm-hmm. How much, how big JT Sanders is going to play this season in Sark's offensive role. Now, I know last year he had Spencer Shannon, Roll Randall, who was coming off, of, I believe, a torn Achilles, ACL. Uh, uh, yes, ACL. And then you still have Gunnar Helm and Juan Davis, Juan Davis. in the mix. But mm-hmm. you don't really have that next tight end. This last class, he tried to go after Deuce Robinson, didn't get him. Uh, there was that other four-star tight end that ended up going to, I believe, Vanderbilt, if you know who I'm talking about. He was more kind of more of the, the pass-catching guy versus the inline blocking, which I think is Spencer Shannon in Gunnar Helm's type role. Washington fits into that pass catching big play tight end that Sark likes to have. He's six foot four, uh watching his tape a little bit over the weekend, Jeff. He's a guy that he can make big plays. He's a guy that loves to run up the middle in the seam routes. We saw how important that was for JT Sanders this year. I mean the Oklahoma game. Remember that touchdown pass over the seam, oh, the end man. zone, he bulldozed a couple defenders. Yeah, I was gonna say which one. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Washington kind of reminds me of that watching it on tape. Now I think he's still got a little bit you know, he's still a prospect still raw. Um, his blocking was described as uh, he has strong conviction blocking. I don't know what that means. He's a it means he's a willing blocker. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. 
Willing to willing to stick his face in there. Yeah, okay. So he's still got work to go with blocking. Right. Uh, Kamori and Pimpins, who you were thinking about, yes, was committed Kamori. to Vanderbilt. Texas was in the mix there. Ended up signing with LSU. LSU, correct. Yeah. yeah. He was yeah. the guy that I thought he was Sark was going to flip back to Texas because of uh, his pass-catching prowess. They tried. Yeah. It came down to the last day. They tried. Uh, yeah, North I, I Crowley. Just, thank you, Stoner. Yes. I. Uh, yeah, Kamori and Pimpins from North Crowley. Alex January is it for me because I, I just, you know <sighs> – I'm almost getting to the point with, like, interior defensive linemen where I am with offensive tackles. Like, if you're not going to recruit a guy that you know, like, you look at him. Like, you look at Malcolm Brown coming out of high school, right, when he was coming out of Brenham. We're like, dude, if if everything stays on trajectory, this dude's going to be a first-round pick in three years. And lo and behold, he was an All-American in a first-round pick after three years at Texas. I think you either have to take those guys. I think once you get past that wave of initial guys that are like, okay, these are no-doubters, then it becomes all about scheme fit, Beauty is kind of in the eye of the beholder mm-hmm. at that point. Development, and I think what you look at when you look at this defense, it does seem like, especially recruiting a guy like Colin Simmons, and I, I do think with, and we'll see the development, but with guys like Ethan Burke, Colton Vosick, Justice Finkley, Jamon Tap, they've got the tools there to have guys that are the true hybrid edge guys that PK wants, and if you're going to have true hybrid edge guys, you need some space eaters in the interior to occupy bodies. You think about, you know, when PK was the defensive coordinator at Washington, and though they had dudes, he he had success with dudes like Danny Shelton and dudes like Vita Vea, you know, big 330 to 350 pound defensive tackles. Now I'm not saying Alex January is going to get that big, but you know, in college football, you can have you a couple 330s. Uh, you know, just you can't do what, what Charlie Strong was trying to do. And you can't have seven of those guys on a roster. But you can't do what Tom Herman and Todd Orlando are doing, and you can't have none of those guys on a roster. Like you got to have a few of them sprinkled in. I think this staff is is I, I could, I'm not saying it's a it's a it's a foolproof plan that's going to work, Cam. But you yeah. can see the vision. You can see the vision of how they're building this defensive front. They want, and, and it's part of what Sarks talked about too. They want size, and in terms of size, they want they want girth. They want length on the interior. They want strength on the interior, and they want hybrid, athletic, twitchy guys. On the outside, similar to the way they're building the offensive line. They want twitchy guys to tackle. They want big, hulking, strong dudes that can get a push up front on the interior. You're, I, I like the way this staff is. I can see the method of the madness now. Yeah. That's what I'm trying to say. You you can see the vision of where they're trying to go with their lines of scrimmage. Mm-hmm. I can't tell you you know, who or who won't work out. You know, Recruiting, is it's, it's I don't have a crystal ball, it's right? Crap shoot, it's, it's a crapshoot. But it does seem like, and this is coming from a Texas fan, so you know, call me biased if you want, but it does seem like this year and even last year that Sark and his staff are getting the takes they want to have, right? They're not going after guys because, well, we didn't fill this position, so we kind of have to scramble the last second and sign these guys on decision day. He's taking these guys in June and July, just like last year, building the staff that he wants. And as a Texas fan, you know, it's encouraging. Also, the the last part of the equation is okay. Now do it on the football field. Yeah, we'll see. But it does seem like, and, and Jeff, disagree with me, please, if if I'm wrong. But it does seem like Sark and his staff are getting the guys that they truly want. This class was going, and, and I, by the way, we haven't even Small mentioned class, this. Right? Yeah, the NCAA is keeping this thing going of no initial counter limits. So basically, as long as you don't go over the 85, you can continue to add pieces to the roster. The, the problem you're running in now, and, and you see this at, at all different kinds of schools, right? 
Like you're going to get a class that might not. If you have two just lights out back to back classes, you can still sign a quality class that third year. It just might not be quite on paper what the other two have been. I think you're seeing that a little bit with Texas this year because recruits understand like the information's out there. They know what you've recruited the last two years. They know what your depth looks like. So that might get some of those high caliber four star guys to be like, you know what? I I'm gonna go to I don't know an Oklahoma or you know in an Arkansas, a place where I might have a chance to play a little bit earlier. And I'm not saying Oklahoma and Arkansas specifically, but I'm just you know insert school A here. So I do think from that standpoint, to get a quality class, it needed to be a quality class in terms of evaluations. And I, I think this staff, you know, we've seen it. Like you remember, Cam, not so much last year you heard it a little bit, but remember that first year Sark was on the job in 21, so two summers ago, mm-hmm. when everybody was freaking out. Oh, my gosh, they don't have any commits. They're going into the summer without any commits. What's wrong with Sark? He can't recruit, blah, blah, blah. And then we saw him gradually build it through the summer. You get into the fall, and then boom, right before signing day, you get Kelvin Banks and all yeah, the linemen, and everything together. falls into place. Last summer, it's kind of slow, it's kind of slow, and then boom, you get Arch, and then everything falls into place. I don't think you've gotten that take yet that's going to allow everything to fall into place, but I do like the fact that this staff has a plan, and they stick to it. They've got a couple guys they're going to identify really early, a handful of guys that they're going to recruit to the spring. And then in the eva- during the evaluation period, they're going to get on the road, see stuff with their own eyes, make use of camps. Like, they're not just there for camps collecting a check. Like, they actually want to bring guys in for evaluations for potential offers during camp and then go through the summer, get guys on campus. And then by the time you get to the fall, your board, for the most part, will be set by the time you get to the fall. And you'll have you'll have your targets, and you'll have guys that you've got on the periphery. I hate using the term fallback plan in recruiting, but let's face it, it's a numbers game, and you you might have a guy that say, okay, it's not a situation of okay, this guy's our fallback plan. It might be like, you know what, um, we really like this guy. We can't take another safety right now, but if we don't get the guys we want at off-ball linebacker, we'll just move a scholarship instead of having the spot occupied for an off-ball linebacker. Let's take the safety we really like. Instead of taking the off-ball lineman, off-ball linebacker that we're not really sure about. Mm-hmm. And then the portals completely change things, too, because now you can go cherry-pick guys in the portal. And your Texas, with the NIL funding that you have, we talk about lack of it for baseball. You ain't lacking it in football. You can kind of go cherry-pick and get what you need out of the portal. And and that's that's the, the thing that I love the most is, I mean, A.D. Mitchell, Ryan Sanborn, they've done it a little bit. But, man, post-spring, they didn't go. They didn't need to go. Other than Trill Carter, they didn't need to go into the portal. There were he, no, and he was – yeah, and he was a huge addition. Like he, I think out of all the, the ads, I know Jalen Catalan's probably going to be the top one. Yeah. I think Trill Carter kept the biggest impact. As and well. we've already heard rumblings from even when he first got on campus that oh yeah, Trill Carter will make a difference. Love to hear that this year, and he will play. And I think you're really setting it up for. The hope is that you can get maybe another year out of Alfred Collins, Vernon Broughton, and, May, and Byron Murphy comes back for another year. Some combination of those guys comes back with Trill Carter. You can just keep this D line thing going. And just keep yourself stockpiled with frontline type D linemen, which would be huge as you go into the SEC. You mentioned about Arch being the piece that really brought this class together last year. Is there even a player for this year's class? Because what the biggest reason I think for Arch commit, or not the biggest reason, but one of the biggest positives from his commitment was all the guys that wanted to play with him, right? I don't know if there's a player like that in this class. Now, Colin Simons 
if he goes to Texas, that's going to be probably the biggest commit in this class because of his potential and what he can do in the football field. But I don't know if there's an X or a YC type of guy who's like, yeah, I want to go play where Collins played. Maybe it's Micah Hudson. But I don't know if there's the same yeah, same guy. You can't. You really can't compare Arch Manning's impact on that class yeah, to anyone else in this year's yeah, class. Yeah, I don't think there's a guy like that this year, Cam. I mean, just being honest, I don't. I just don't think yeah. there is. Uh, this, uh, we've got a text and says Georgia and Alabama having that problem. No, but you're comparing apples to pomegranates. You're talking about schools that have won national championships recently. Well, even Alabama's class right now is, I believe, it's below Texas, right? Uh, I think it was slight. I'll check the Actually, rankings me, real quick. Let me pull those up. I've got my uh, recruiting list right here. They're twenty five, Texas twenty eight. Okay, but you know, to say, well, yeah, Alabama's not having a problem stacking depth. Well, yeah, Alabama hadn't had a problem winning national championships either. Jordan had Georgia hadn't had a problem winning national championships lately. At some point, it's just it's just one of those deals. You know, go look at Texas. Was Texas under Mac Brown in the glory days? They were. Texas was where. Georgia and Alabama are right now. You're just stacking talent on top of talent on top of talent. Now it got to a point where whether it was that staff got complacent or whatever happened happened, you know, we saw where recruiting started to trend. But you go back and look at those classes really from 99 to 02, I mean, there was just an absurd amount of NFL talent that came to campus during that time. That's what Alabama's done over a decade plus with Nick Saban. That's what Georgia's done the last half decade under Kirby Smart. And hopefully that's where Texas gets to at a point under Sark, but they're just not there yet. So this was, again, this was always going to have to be, and Cam just pointed out, there's not that one bell cow recruit. Now you're still in the mix for some high caliber guys. Colin Simmons is one of those guys. Uh, Kobe Black, the defensive back from Wake O'Connell is one of those guys. So you're still in the mix for some high caliber guys. It's just there's not that one recruit that you get and you say, okay, everything falls. And, and that goes for everybody right now. It's not that one guy you get to where you say, okay, everything's going to fall into place right here. If there was that one guy, I thought it could have been, it could have been, and this is obviously looking a year plus ago, it could have been Dylan Rayola. Dylan mm-hmm. Rayola could have been that guy. But the minute you got Arch Manning, the, the chances of you getting Dylan Rayola vanished. You yeah. had no shot to get him at that point because yeah. he and his family, they knew what that Texas quarterback room looked like. And yes, Cam, I'll go ahead and ask you since everybody's talking about it. Did you see the photo? Of the oh, Texas did quarterback I see spot? it, Jeff? Man, I printed it out. I got a couple of photocopies on my wall, and I'm just Did kidding. you manage to keep your pants yeah. on? Yeah, I that was that. Was, I got people who who aren't even that big into the Texas like were texting me like, "Hey, have you seen this picture?" I had have people. You seen I was Arches at a Fourth of July. Back? I was at a Fourth of July barbecue yesterday. And I had people asking me about it. Like, yes, <laughs> I saw the picture. Is that the steamiest Texas picture of all time besides Beyonce's crop top Chris Sims jersey? I mean, to each their own. If you want to take Malik Murphy looking like Derrick Henry over Beyonce in the David Ash jersey, then okay, that's fine. But I'll I'll take Beyonce. I had someone tell me that Texas should start Arch Manning week one because of what he looked like. I was like, uh, let's uh, let's back it up there. Let's There's... say things we can't take back now. <laughs> there he is. The he is looking he is looking good though. There is, but hey, put me in Texas's strength and conditioning, and man, I'll look like Jason Momoa and Aquaman too. There is nothing that means less about playing quarterback <laughs> than how a dude looks like with his shirt off. It's the equivalent of the NBA summer workout videos, where it's like, oh, look at Mitchell Robinson dunking on dudes <laughs> lifetime. It's See, like, look those at guys Zion; he's getting above the rim. Like, yeah, until his hamstring explodes in three weeks, and then we're right back to square look one. Look at Zion dunking a charity event. 
for little kids. Zion, yeah. Zion's got. He's played 70 <laughs> games in four years, sure. Zion's got problems now off the court, too. <laughs> he so might be just, another dad. Let's give, let's, give my man, let's give my man a break. Yeah, hey, uh, at, least the, at least his sex tape wasn't released. Shout out to, uh, I forget, whoever stopped that from happening. <sighs> There's one out there, though, isn't it? Is it out there? I mean, I would assume so. I know her. Everything's out in the in in the cloud now. In the ether, yeah. Well, I know her. She threatened to release it on Twitter, and I think Twitter. uh, Speaking of Twitter, Jeff, I mean, what a what a complete (sighs) crap hole it is. But the one thing Twitter's done that's been good was uh, deleting or blocking her account. On Twitter, Mariah Mills, the uh, rate limit met was yeah. the rate limit exceeded for me. That was like that scene in Office Space. PC load letter. <laughs> what does that mean? Did it happen to you? Were, was your rate level yeah. exceeded? My rate oh, limit man. was exceeded. Yeah, I had to wait for it to reset, but I don't, I don't seem to have that problem now. But I mentioned break a minute ago. We need to take one because we got to come back at the inconceivable to close out hour number one here on a Wednesday edition of Light the Tower on the Horn, live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com. Light the Tower. Inconceivable. 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 You keep using the word. I don't think it means what you think it means. Uh, this is why Cameron Parker is the best producer up here and why he is, with all due respect to Ty Henderson, Patrick Davis, and the other fine producers that we have, uh, and why Cameron is MVP of the show. Reminded me during the break, I forgot to give away the copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine last segment. So. I got you guys. Don't worry. I got the listeners. You're by the phone. Cameron, give them that hotline number. 512-447-3776. 447-3776. Right now, be caller number six. Caller number six. 512-447-3776. Caller number six wins a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. All right. Let's go ahead and move on with a little inconceivable talk as Cameron gets our winner for the DCTF copy. Pretty much I'm going to ruin whether you want to take a beach vacation or go golfing, whatever. I'm pretty much going to ruin your vacation right now. Shark attacks are on the rise in New York and Florida specifically. In New York this week, five shark bites reported over just two days off of Long Island beaches. While in Florida, according to CBS News, the tranquility of a Pensacola beach turned into a rush to safety Tuesday as swimmers saw a shark's dorsal fin zipping through shallow waters. At least 19 shark attacks have been reported in the United States this year. However, however, according to Gavin Naylor, he is the director for shark research at the University of Florida, shark attacks on humans remain highly unlikely. A person is about 200 times more likely to drown than be bitten by a shark. That according to Naylor, it's also more likely that someone would win the lottery die in a car crash or get hit by lightning than to be bitten by a shark. According to Naylor, quote, if sharks were targeting humans, we'd have at least 100 bites a day. Sharks primarily bite humans by mistake and typically mind their own business. It's not a lot different than dealing with uh, a menace around our fair bird. The infamous rattlesnake. What do we have? The western diamondback here? Maybe some Timber Rattlers. I don't know what all we have around here. There's a game warden or somebody that's going to chastise me for not knowing all of our rattlesnake species. More often than not, man, just don't attack it. Don't approach it. Just let it go away and it'll probably leave you alone. Unless you know what you're doing or you've got a firearm handy, then I guess dispose of said rattlesnake with extreme prejudice. If you do the rest of us a favor, it would be greatly appreciated. I've never understood like the relocating rattlesnake bit. 
Like people get mad. Like people, it's usually people on community Facebook pages. Oh, relocated. It's part of the ecosystem. Yeah, well, I don't want my dog or my kid or anybody else getting bit. So it's best to relocate it to the afterlife if you come in contact with one. Cam, do we have a winner for our Dave Campbell's copy? We do. Congratulations to Dustin Pickens. Nice. Congratulations, Dustin. You won yourself a copy of Dave Campbell's Texas Football Magazine. Cam, you with me on uh, on sharks and you know just kind of leave them alone. Just you know they're just they're minding their own business. Uh, oh, hundred percent. Like with rattlesnakes, just don't unless you've got a firearm handy or you know what you're doing. Just don't don't try to be the hero. Just just let it go. Let I, it go, and you'll be better off for it. I have not seen Jaws yet. Probably need to, but just seeing, just hearing enough of that movie has already made me afraid of just sharks. <laughs> but also, I mean, they're probably around us more than we actually know when we're in the ocean. I think there's a lot out there going we, we on. We don't know. That's that true. We don't know about. Probably. All right, Cam. Is it time for the impending robot wars? Let's go to the Carolinas. Okay. Not yet. Not. We're not taking our shirts off and spinning them around our heads like a helicopter. We're not raising up for North Carolina. Cameras on. St- By the way. I made this mistake a few years ago. We're talking about this on uh, the flagship message board at Horns 24-7. Apparently, UCF fans and alums get really mad when you call it Central Florida. Is that what I did? No, 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 no. Not you specifically. I'm talking about the Royal U. If you say Central Florida, like, they get pissed. I made the mistake one time of referring to the University of North Carolina by simply Carolina around South Carolina people, and that wasn't... That wasn't taken too kindly. So I don't know if there's if there the Carolinas are beefing Cam. You can fill me in on that later. Uh, I don't think so. Okay, just so basically it was South Carolina fans that took something too far. I didn't I didn't have any beef with South Carolina, but I don't was, have that any, was just I, me. I I do appreciate that South Carolina employed Will Muschamp as a head football coach. That's why I have a South Carolina coach's shirt in my closet right now. Yeah, representing for Will Muschamp. But Cam, a South Carolina woman was killed Tuesday. After an alligator attacked her and her dog, oh, 69-year-old resident of the Spanish Wells neighborhood of Hilton Head, Hilton Head Island, it's always anytime I say Hilton Head, it's always a mouthful, was reportedly walking her dog Tuesday morning near the edge of a lagoon in the area. That's according to the Beaufort County or Beaufort or Beaufort County Sheriff's Office. When officials responded around 9:30 a.m., they found the woman unresponsive near the water. They were also confronted by an alligator, which was guarding the woman's body and impeding rescue attempts, according to a statement. Uh, after the gator was safely removed, officials were able to recover the body, which will be sent for an autopsy at the Beaufort County Coroner's Office. Police did not specify if the dog she was walking was also injured or killed in the incident. The police statement notes this is the second such fatal attack to happen in Beaufort County in less than a year, the first of which occurred in August 2022, Cam, when an 88-year-old woman was attacked oh, and no. killed in nearby Sun City. So... The gator. Wreaking havoc. Yes. And they're enlarged Medulla Oblongata. Apparently, it's fed up with golf course expansion and <laughs> tourism and senior communities on the rise. He's just fed up with everything going on in the Carolinas. They're fed up with all the trees being destroyed for these golf courses, Jeff. He's, Not enough of and it. And the gator is hes done. He's, he's damn mad, and he's doing something about it. This is another thing. I saw this on the news last night. I was watching the news. At, I was at my brother's house, and I just happened to be watching the news. They're talking about this story, talking about gator attacks. And they're like, you know, it's common sense stuff. And this is alligator safety. It's according to USA Today, right? 
Tip number one, Cam, would you like to know what please, tip number one please. for alligator safety is? Do not approach a gator. <laughs> Duly noted. Stay at least 30 feet back and even further away if they begin to hiss or move towards you. Don't okay. assume they can't catch you. American alligators can move at 30 miles per hour. 30 miles an hour? Short burst, yeah. That ought to scare the hell out of you. Tip number two, know when and where gators like to hang out. If you know the nearest watering hole where the gators gather in your fair bird, then stay clear of it. Here's another one, Cam, from the Book of Common Sense. Do not fish near alligators and move away from a fishing spot if one approaches. <laughs> Go cast that line somewhere else, brother. These are all live, very valid points. Live to fight another day. It's very valid. Uh, what are we at? Tip number four. Again, common sense, one would think. Do not allow pets or children to swim in, drink from, or approach bodies of water known to have alligators present. Tip number five. Can I guess it? Is it don't feed the alligators? No, but avoid locations near body of water that may be nests. Okay. Stay away. And we say this. Remember, I I mentioned we're going to hit both of the Carolinas because, Cam, the voice of the Longhorns. Mr. Craig Way himself. Sent us a transmission yesterday. Said, hey, check out my personal swing coach on the 14th hole. Actually, the text that Cam and I got said, this dude crossed our path on the ninth tee this morning. He was a little guy. Later on the 14th hole, I saw a big one grab a turtle. And when Craig said big, he said, eight to ten foot gator, grab a turtle mm. and crack him open like a walnut. Mm. Cameron, you're... State where you formerly resided, man. Gators in the Carolinas yeah, are, man. are pissed. They're trying to take over. Enough is enough. Well, Craig was probably peppering their lake with a bunch of golf balls. So True. they were, you know, like, all right, Craig, come on. Find a fair way here. I don't need Craig to come back like Chubbs and Happy Gilmore with one hand. Exactly. <laughs> and then Craig to come back with a jar in his well, pocket. I mean, as long as, like, as his voice is intact. Eye. As long as his voice is intact, we're good, right? Yeah. He, he doesn't can, need his hands. He can call games with us. Yeah. Huh? As a matter of fact, that would add to, like, I don't know, the ambiance cool. is the right term. Yeah. Be pretty cool. There's Craig putting his headset on. He's got a scratch across his face. <laughs> oh, yeah, my hook got in the way. Yeah, why is Craig bleeding on that? They had the hook from the. Uh... I mean, Roger Wallace still has two good hands. Roger can yeah. help Craig put on his Roger headset. Roger can help him turn yeah. his bottom up and down. Or maybe yeah, he'd be good. like Woody Harrelson and Kingpin. We get him one of them rubber hands. Yeah. Just kind of guide everything. It's like a guide hand shooting a basketball, except Craig would need his guide hand for everything at that point. A, a text asking, so what does Central Florida want to be called? I'm with them. I, I'm with you, Texture. UCF? UCF, yeah. I guess it's kind of like you don't call them Louisiana State, you just say LSU. I, I don't know. I didn't know that was a thing until UCF fans were apparently getting very mad on Twitter. Take down that national championship banner, and we'll call you UCF. How about that? UCF fans were talking smack to Texas fans from what I saw. and Well, at least Texas puts numbers on the wall that are actually worth claiming. Mm-hmm. So... At any rate, hour number one, long in the books. We'll continue with hour number two coming up next on Light the Tower on the Horn. Live, local, and digital on the Horn app and at hornfm.com.